Welcome to the Sports GPS. With your hosts, Parker White and CJ Holly. Welcome back to the Sports GPS Season 3, Episode 46. Wow. Crazy we're getting this deep. Yeah. Um, well, Parker, what are we talking about today, man? Well, this isn't a long road trip today. Very short today. CJ and I were talking about March Madness mm-hmm. as the Final Four is set in stone. And we end our MLB division-by-division preview with none other than the NL East as opening day starts this week. Honestly, the the hardest division to predict in baseball. And it's our division. Yeah, a couple injuries change a lot of things, a Mm -hmm. lot of landscape. Absolutely. A lot of crazy stuff going on. All that and more on this episode of the Sports GPS. Let's get into it. Welcome back. Jumping right into the madness known as March Madness, the yeah. NCAA tournament. Well done. Yeah, I'm not going to finish it. Yeah. It just it's there. It's there. You it's you, there. you now have it in your head. Absolutely. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry anyway, not sorry, yeah. Let let's talk about some unprecedented things that happened in this tournament. Everything? Like legitimately, <laughs> yeah. very unprecedented things. Um, this is the first time a final, f- uh, an elite eight, excuse me, did not have a number one team in it. Crazy. Uh, this is one of the first times in the last fifteen years a number one seed hasn't made the final four. Yeah. Um. It, crazy. The only the second time in history a sixteen seed has beaten a number one. Mm-hmm. The only other time was uh, Florida Gulf Coast beating UVA. Yeah. And then of course UVA the next year <laughs> wins it. Title. Yeah. Uh. So. I mean, what does that say about uh, Purdue? Purdue, hmm. probably not going to win it. Um, yeah. yeah, just knowing, saying that. Knowing, that, that, knowing their history, it's, yeah. it's a no. <laughs> that lightning bolt usually probably isn't going to strike twice. So what you're saying is Fairleigh Dickinson's going to win it all next year? Negative. <laughs> Fairleigh Dickinson <laughs> probably doesn't make the tournament. Here's that. That's what's the kicker about that is Fairleigh Dickinson shouldn't have made the tournament, but yeah. the only reason they did is because Merrimack College was ineligible to play. Because of some NCAA sanctions, mm-hmm. so even though they won, yeah, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson got in. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. But anyway, that's beside the point. All right, let's run over the the four Final Four teams. The road to the Final Four. All right, so the four teams are Florida Atlantic, and they'll play San Diego State, the five seed, mm-hmm. and then the five seed Miami will play the number four seed UConn. That like, did anyone ever think? I mean, it's one thing to like not have a number one seed in the final four, like you don't have anything greater than a four. Yeah, like that's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy town. Now, granted, I mean, Florida Atlantic, if you if you think about it, could have very easily been higher than. Yeah, I mean, look, they had the most wins in college basketball this year. Yeah, so I mean, like they're a good team. Like, so let's let's go through their. Their road to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. They start off with number eight Memphis. They beat them sixty six to sixty five. That was a tight game. Yep. And then they played the beloved Fairleigh Dickinson. In the second round, they beat them seventy eight seventy. Fairleigh Dickinson competitive, but in the end, the better team won. Right. And then they faced ten at number four Tennessee. 
They beat them 62-55. All I know is Tennessee, that that team, they'll, they'll beat you up. Yeah, they like, They're tough. And then they defeated number three Kansas State, 79-76. This was actually one of the best games in the tournament. You're very correct. Like, it was so – I'm trying to think of the, the, the guard for Kansas State. Let me let me get his name real quick. Uh, Noel, Marquise Noel. He's, yeah. He's from Harlem, mm-hmm. and they're playing in Madison Square Garden. So it's kind of like a home court advantage for Kansas State, which is weird being in Madison Square Garden. Right. But, like, FAU, man. Like, they're good. I mean, they're led – their leading scorer, uh, John L. Davis, averages almost 14 points a game. Vlad Golden is their big man. He's like a seven-footer. Um, and then Elijah Martin is really good, 13.1 points per game during the regular season. But the X factor for me, Michael Forrest. Yeah, he only averages eight points a game. He comes off the bench. He's the only senior on this team. I, I think he's the difference maker. To um, we'll, we'll give our picks. At the end of the segment, but I, Florida Atlantic, there's something about them. Like, yeah. Like, they're fun to watch. No, for sure. I mean, they're unflappable. I mean, nothing seems too big for them, I or at least they don't show that it's too yeah, big for them. they don't. They don't. And whether, you know, I, I just like their I like their team. I like what they're doing. And, I mean, now some would say they, haven't, they had a more uh, easy road compared to a couple others as – they didn't have to go through a number one seed, but they did go through a four and a three seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you, you, you say that, but at the same time, like, I mean, y- you faced who you got. and Yeah, I mean, you can only face who's put in front of you, and they took care of business. And this is their first tournament win ever, yeah. let alone making the Final Four. So, right, yeah. Uh, great run for FAU, and let's see if they can keep it going. They face... The Aztecs of San Diego State. Parker, give us the rundown on how they got to the Final All Four. All right, so their first-round matchup, they faced number 12, Charleston. They beat him 63-57. Then they faced number 13, F- Furman, mm-hmm. another, like, dark horse, you know, come out of nowhere, Cinderella team. They beat him 75-52. They beat them pretty easily. Then they defeated the number one seed, Alabama, who is the number one number one seed, mm-hmm. 71-64. And then they defeated number six Creighton, who's one of the better off. I mean, they're the best offensive team in college basketball this year, and they can do it on both ends of the floor. They beat them fifty-seven, fifty-six. Like it was, it was a defensive stand at the end of the game to win it. And like, but this San Diego State, they can bottle up any team. Like yeah. their defense is that good. Right. I mean, Creighton averages eighty, and they only. I mean, yeah. they only gave up fifty-six. Right. Like, yeah. And San Diego State has hit the under. In every game yeah. in this tournament, so yeah. so just, it's f- safe to say you probably want to bet the under. Yeah, bet the under. Uh, you know, Vegas doesn't want you to, but I'm <laughs> right. telling you to. Right. And right. if it hits the over, my bad. <laughs> yeah. I just went with precedent at this point. Right. I, FAU is not like the highest scoring team ever, and San Diego State likes to bottle them up. So yeah, I <laughs> just think things. It, I think it's going to be more half court, you know, slow paced game. Right. I'm sure FAU want to speed up a little bit, but like, how much are they able to do that? We'll have to we'll have to see. But yeah, I'm checking the over under as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I th- I do think it's a safe bet. Take the under, even without the president precedent. Like San Diego State, they're a really good defensive team. They play low scoring games. They're gonna try to slow FAU down, and uh, I think it's a safe bet in the final four on a big stage. They will do that. One thirty one and a half. Yeah, give me the under. Yeah, I'm taking the yeah, under. Yeah, give me the under, boss. For sure. Uh, so, yeah, listen, that's going to be a great game. We'll talk our picks after we get through all four Final Four teams. But 
This is going to be a doozy. This is the one I had the biggest trouble yeah. picking. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Shockingly enough. <laughs> um, uh, let's go ahead to the other Final Four game, uh, Miami versus UConn. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me Miami's road to the Final Four. All right, so their first-round matchup was against number 12, Drake. They beat them 63-56. to Then they faced the Hoosiers of Indiana. They beat them pretty handily, 85-69. to then they defeated number one seed Houston, 89-75. That was a shocker. Not that Miami's not a good team, but Houston's been that good this year. And, and they ran away with it. Yeah, they ran away with it. And then they defeated number two Texas, 88-81. to they de- They've definitely had a tough road. Yeah, right? and they were down to Texas big. They were yeah. down like 16 to Texas at one point. But it helps, it helps when you have the ACC player of the year on your team, Isaiah Wong. That dude is a walking bucket, 16 points a game. And his other his backcourt mate, uh, Jordan Miller, I mean, fifteen point four points per game. So like senior leader of the squad for sure. Yeah, and then the the key to this team, and this is why I didn't have Miami going far, is because I did not know that uh, Norchad O'Meara was going to play because he hurt his ankle in the ACC semis against Duke, and uh, but he's he's averages thirteen points, ten rebounds a game. I thought because walking double double. Yeah, because his injury status was uncertain. I was like, ah, I don't know if Miami I, – I thought they could lose in the first round. Right. You know, I know – I mean, I thought they would beat Drake, but I thought it would be close, and it was close. But I thought – I didn't think they were going to go far, much less the Final Four. But Jim Laranega, is, Jim Laranega is their head coach. I still remember when he took George Mason to the Final Four. 2006. Yep. So, like, this, this team is battle-tested. They have senior leadership on this team. And uh, I think, you know, they're, they're a shocker. But if you really watch them this year in the ACC, it's not it's not this shocking. No, I, I don't think it's... Like, they're better than a five seed. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. I think because of their somewhat early exit in the ACC tournament, they, they kind of got a bad rap. But, I mean, at the same time, like, they right. they know how to put the ball in the hoop. And that's that's kind of the name of the game. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that you keep you keep moving along, let's go ahead and talk about their adversary in UConn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we talk about like just how deep like Miami is and how they can face anybody. UConn is the deepest team in in college basketball. They defeated number thirteen Iona in the first round, eighty seven sixty three. Then they defeated number five St. Mary's pre- pretty easily, seventy to fifty five. Arkansas, who was a, a sneaky, really good team. I mean, early in the season, they were like a, a sneaky, like sleeper Final Four pick. Yeah, they were an eight seed. They didn't have as big of a year as we thought, but they crushed them, eighty-eight to sixty-five, and then they destroyed number three Gonzaga, eighty-two fifty-four. The crazy thing is, this game was close at half, mm-hmm. and then second half, UConn just ran away with it, mainly because uh, Drew Timmy uh, was in foul trouble, and yep. they just their guard play for Gonzaga was not there all tournament. Mm. So U- UConn, led by Bobby Hurley, like this team is like they're they're this is not a shocker that UConn's in the final four. No, I mean yes, but no. I, I honestly, I mean, they had a, a relatively easy road. Yeah, uh, just for the fact that I mean, they didn't have to face a, a real big team, and they weren't really battle tested in any game. Like no, they, they were just in control from from jump from Jump Street. Yeah, I mean. It, outside of the Gonzaga game where it was just the second half, they went on like a massive 16 to one run. Yeah. And then they, they never looked back from that. Uh, that, that's a difference. But I mean, honestly, like 
what other team faced you know, I, I guess FAU and UConn both had, you know, similar easy quote unquote roads. Right. Uh I, I don't know. I like I, I think UConn is the best team in this tournament. I think they're facing an absolute juggernaut in Miami. Oh, you think so? I think so. I, I just just what I see from Miami, they're cool as the underside of the pillow. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Stuart Scott. Yeah. R. I. P. baby. Yeah. Like I will give him that. Like they are as cool as the underside of the pillow, and I, and you're not going to sit there and tell me otherwise. I will say the the matchup to watch in this game specifically, Jordan Hawkins, Isaiah Wong. Yeah. Like I think I think that is the matchup, and whoever can if Hawkins can shut down Isaiah Wong, which is not easy. Like I think UConn has the advantage in this game, but I do think it's going to be it's going to be back and forth. I don't think either team's going to run away with this. And it's going to come down to who can execute at the end. Of the remaining three games in the tournament, mm-hmm. this is the best game remaining. Is Miami UConn? Yeah, you're not wrong. You're so, not wrong. You know, something to think about out there, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. But truly, I mean, th- this game is going to be an absolute doozy. And I actually think the winner of this game moves on to to win the national championship. So you think game. they cut down the nets? Whoever wins. This whoever game. wins this game, I think cuts down the nets. I think that I think that's a I think that's fair. Well, let's go ahead and talk about our picks for these two games as we're already here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, I I'm going to take in the first game, I'm going to take FAU over San Diego State mm-hmm. minimally, minimally. I think yeah. it's a it's a sixty fifty eight game. Yeah. I I think it's a two point game. FAU just finds a way to claw themselves in. That's just what they've done all year, all tournament. They figure out a way to win in close games. I will take Florida Atlantic and the under. Yeah, I was my say, picks. and the under. And the <laughs> under. As if you if you did the math at home, uh, that I said 60 to 58, yeah. which happens to be 118 points, which is under <laughs> 131. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm going to take Florida or Miami, Florida, the University of Miami, the, the U, the U, as it were, over UConn, and I am picking that. 78 to 74. Ooh. And for, for all you mathletes at home, that's going to hit the over <laughs> because the over-under is 149 and a half. All right. All right, so I'm going with FAU. Give me the Cinderella team. Okay. Got to love the Cinderella yeah. story. And just watching them play, I just think, like, there's something about this team. And it's not a fluke that they're here. I mean, yeah, we didn't think Florida. I mean, I didn't pick Florida Atlantic in my bracket to go to the Final Four. But if you if you're a connoisseur of college basketball, you're not surprised by FAU. I will say there. I I do know someone who had FAU in the Final Four. Oh yeah, you were telling me they they might not be old enough to uh to 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 be in middle school yet. <laughs> Uh, barely in kindergarten, but they they yeah, had barely they had Florida Atlantic in their final four. Do so you, do you know why they picked? Just they were just you know t- drawing a team. Why out of is hat? the sky blue? Why is yeah, the grass green? Yeah, I got you. Like <laughs> yeah, they they took a shot in the dark. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Yeah, I got you. Uh, I have I have heard from a particular someone that a member of their household. Um, had Florida Atlantic in the final four. So the sky's blue. <laughs> Listen, rainbows and butterflies whenever you can get them, right? I got you. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I I mean I I think Florida Atlantic makes the 
makes it to the championship game, and and it's 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 tight, but it's there. Do you, do you want me to get my other game? Please do. I'm gonna give me UConn. I just okay. I, I love what I'm seeing. I think they're deep. I I do love Bobby Hurley. I think he's a great coach, and I think I think Hawkins is gonna do enough to shut not not shut down Wong completely, but I think he can slow him down enough. I think that's the key matchup in this game, uh, and I think. I feel like I'm going to butcher his last name. I always do. Is it Sanago? Uh, Aduma Sanago. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he's going to do enough damage in the paint. And uh, give me UConn. Okay. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your over-under choice for Miami UConn? Hmm. 149.5 is the line. Give me the under. You're going to take the under. Because in a big game, like we, we, we love to think that like teams that can that can put the ball in the hoop, like, oh, they're just gonna score like rampant. I think it I think it's gonna be sl- I think it's gonna be more half court. And I'm give me the under. All right. Give me the under. Are you thinking like seventy to sixty something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's way under. Would hit the under. Oh, I get you. I don't mind it. <laughs> okay, so are you in your scenario you have FAU over uh, or FAU and UConn in the final. You picking UConn there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So you have UConn winning it all. I have Miami winning it all. We both have them facing FAU for the win mm-hmm. in the championship. If you got score predictions, you got, uh, you know, who who do you think is going to win both semifinals and then the national championship? Drop it on the uh, on the social medias, Parker. At SportsGPS on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So. Hit, hit me up there. Like, I'd love to have a back and forth while watching the game on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, let me know what you got, who you have winning, who you have cutting down the nets. Yeah. All right. And we will talk about it uh, not next episode as we have a special treat coming for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will talk about it next week's episode. So uh, looking forward to that as the national championship game is next Monday, six days away. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when we return, we're getting into the last of the division previews for MLB, the best division in baseball, yes, obviously. Sir. Absolutely. Parker's Braves, my Phillies are both inside of it. We are talking NL East when we return. Welcome back to the Sports GPS. We're heading to our final segment, the best segment, as we continue our last division preview this week is the NL East, means CJ's division, Braves, Phillies, and really, who cares about the rest? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, we might be, as we discuss these, I, I didn't realize that, like, you put them in the order that, like, is probably yeah, going to probably be the gonna be finish. Yeah, finishing with 5-1. to one. Um, So let's let's just go ahead and dive right in. Let's let's start talking. Uh, the NL East preview, Let's let's start at the bottom. Let's talk about the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast may or may not be Nationals fans. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. But you're going to lose 100 games this year. Yeah. And when I run down this lineup, you're going to go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Partially because any big name that I mention here is probably not going to be there at the end of the year. There's yeah. two of them that are yeah. – well, actually three of them uh, that – that kind of jump off the page. So let's just go ahead and run down the list. Let's go through the lineup. Uh, you know, your your leadoff hitter is right fielder Lane Thomas. Yeah. he. You know, he's like if he was your fourth outfielder, you'd be really happy. Yeah, you'd be ecstatic about it, actually. But he's going to be starting in right field. Yeah, and he's and he's apparently your leadoff hitter. 
Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, your number two hitter is Dominic Smith. Probably will not be on this team. Yeah, he come he, the end of the year. But he need he needs to play hard. Yeah, he does. Like he needs to perform because if he's not, he's going to be in Washington all year. Well, yeah, but I mean, this might be his. If he's still in Washington at the end of this year, it'll be his last year in the bigs. Yeah, I'm being honest. Y- you're not wrong. You're like, not wrong. Uh, he's he's had enough time to prove himself. Right now, he's getting the spotlight. He's not going to be platooned like he was in New York. Right. He's going to be the everyday first baseman. This is his time to shine and yeah. figure it out. Yeah, you don't have the excuse of well, my my the starter is Pete Alonso. Yeah. No, no, boss. You're the starting first baseman of the Washington Nationals, and you got to perform. Yep. Exactly, and and he's got to figure it out. Uh, your DH is uh, Joey Manessis. Joey Manessis. I will say though, in the second half, down, you know, last month of the season, he actually like looked good. Right. Like he he's kind of a veteran guy. He's finally getting an opportunity. I know he did some big things against my Braves, which was not fun. But like it, he he caught my eye. Right. Again, I'm not saying he's like this like budding superstar, but he's he's a solid player. For sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, then we go to your left fielder, Corey Dickerson. I feel like he's played for every every team in the NL East. <laughs> it feels like that. I mean, he, he hasn't played for my Braves yet, but, you know, give it some time. Has he played for the Mets? I mean, he might uh, have. I don't know. We have to look that up. I don't think he Stat has. Stat girl. <laughs> Stat girl. Find out. Yeah. Find out who he's played. I, I know he played for the Phillies. I know he played for the Pirates. I know he played for the Marlins, Marlins last year. Yeah. So we'll have to look at that. But, I mean, he honestly. Came, he came up with uh, Colorado. Right. Did he play in Tampa? I don't know. I th- yes, yes, he did. Yeah, I think he did. I really feel like he did. He he looked he like it's kind of funny played to say it this St. way, Lewis. but he looks like a guy who played in Tampa. All right, let's go ahead and let's run it down. Let's run it down. Let's run it down. Uh, he's a gold glover. Yes. Okay. All right. So here we go. Thank you, Stack Girl. All right. So he, Colorado, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Philly, Miami, uh, and then. Miami, Toronto, Toronto, St. Louis last year. Yeah, and now he's in Washington. And now he's in Washington. So he's 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 got sixty percent of the NLE. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Corey Dickerson. Yeah. Again, thank you, Stack Girl. I will say, I I like Corey Dickerson the player. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like good defender. Plays hard. You know, do, does does everything right. <laughs> goes to class. <laughs> goes to class. <laughs> No, I, I, he's he's solid. I, yeah. But do you want him in your four hole? Absolutely not. No. So he, he's like a really good seven. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Eight. Maybe. You know. Maybe on a good day, he's eight. like like a two old, on a good day. Old NL style of hitting. You were like, yeah, I really like him in the eight hole. <laughs> Dude, I will he say clears the pitcher a lot. I <laughs> I will say this. Eight hole in the National League back in back in our day. Back in back in my day. Like that's that's the toughest spot to hit in the lineup. It is tough because you know if he's sitting behind you, pitcher who's hitting zero forty six. Yeah, he's in O for the century. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know maybe he'll make contact, but most likely he's gonna strike out. Yeah, and then when you're on first with one out, you're like, hey, sacrifice bun. I've got to get a big lead. <laughs> yeah. You know, big jump off the bag. I have Bartolo Cologne hitting behind me. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, Cologne's gone deep, so. One one time. Hey, man. <laughs> one time. It's the same as Seth Beer last year. Yeah. <laughs> one homer. Did you get your dinner oh, yet? I have not yet. Okay. I have not. I just wanted to, I just wanted I to mean, ask. I mean, we have not discussed dinner plans. Um, <laughs> Let's get back to the Nationals. Out of the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Jim Candelario. Yeah, he hasn't uh, he hasn't reached the expectation that he once had, right. but yeah, he's okay. I mean, you know him. Yeah, you know who he is. Luis Garcia is their second baseman, hitting six. Kiebert Ruiz, and former, then, former like top catching prospect in the game. Yeah, and, and you know what? He's still. I mean, he's no longer a prospect. He's in the right. bigs, but I mean, he's still the top guy that yeah. you think of like future catchers. Like I think Kiebert Ruiz and and then. Uh, uh, Rutschman, right? Like those. Oh yeah, those are the two. But give me Rutschman every day. Oh every yeah, week. absolutely. But well, I still think he yeah. is solid. Um, and then you have C.J. Abrams and then Victor Robles. We were talking about this, like Victor Robles in center. Uh, give me a name that is like leaps and bounds over Victor Robles in center field. And if you give me a name, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. You're wrong. So like defensively, defensively, no, there's, he's, there's, he yeah. is the best. He is top three, if not the best. I mean, are defensively. Th- are there center fielders defensively that like I think you can make a case for? Yeah, they're close. Like I think Michael Harris has already gotten there. Yeah, it's tight. And I I know I'm biased, but like if you watch him, like I watch him play every day. Yeah. Um, and there was a <laughs> the last guy that I saw who could come in on a ball like that was uh, Andrew Jones, who's who's pretty good defensively. Yeah, he's arguably one of the best defensive center fielders. Yeah, ever. correct. Correct. So. I'm not disagreeing with you. However, yeah. what I am saying is, like, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody leaps totally and bound better than Victor Robles playing center. The problem is he hits lower than the Mendoza line, and that's the issue. Yep. Uh, let's go ahead and look at their rotation. Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Trevor Williams, Chad Cool. You like the top three. You really don't like the bottom two. I mean, if if, if Chad Cool's your five, that's not bad. That's not horrible. But Trevor Williams is also a five, and he's your four. <laughs> he's also a five. <laughs> <laughs> you have two fives, no four. Yeah, and then you don't really have an ace. You have, oh, like, yeah. three really, really good I mean, maybe lower end twos, higher end threes. Maybe if Steven Strasburg could ever get healthy again. Maybe. And like, I think Mackenzie Gore could be a one. Yeah, but but, but he hasn't had a full season yet, he's so I a can't. High end three, yeah. low end two. Yeah, like it, it, that's what he is. Uh, their bullpen. Uh, you got some names. It's actually, it actually might be the strength of this. It team. probably is. I mean, Kyle Finnegan's got some nasty stuff. I think Carl Edwards in a setup role, which is I think where they're going to have him. Yeah, is solid. You, you know what you get out, Steve Cshek, Hunter Harvey, Hunter Harvey, eh, good. Yeah. And then Sean Doolittle, who's on the IL right now, but he comes back. You know who he is, right? And he probably takes over the closer role for Finnegan, yeah. even though I think Finnegan should probably stay in the closer role all year. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just, you know, the Nationals, as far as a bullpen pitching, their starters aren't bad. Their lineup leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. Over, under, 58-and-a-half. What do you got? Give me the under. I'm going to take the over, but Ooh, it's just because slightly. It, it's really hard to lose 105 games. You know what? Can I Can I? <laughs> can I change my answer? Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah. Like, give, give me the over slightly. Like, it's, like, there like, are 60 like, and a 102 team. Like, yeah, 60 is like my number. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it's just really hard to lose 105 it's games. Hard to, it's, it's like, and we were talking about this before we came on. It's hard to predict a team that's going to win 100 games. Uh-huh. Even though it does happen, yep. and it's hard. To, well, it's easier to, to predict, predict the hundred of the hundred loss team, but it's still kind of like it's still man. Hard to be like they're losing a hundred. Are you are you that bad? Unless they're from Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, that's not hard. That's not hard. <laughs> Give me the under every time. Every time. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, we did take the under. We Let's did. Let's go ahead to the next best team in the, in the division. <laughs> you mean the next worst team? Uh, I guess. That's fair. Uh, yeah. The Miami Marlins, uh, they're over-under 75.5. We'll touch that in a minute here. Hey, they play hard. They do play hard. And Let's honestly, I like the new – I like – obviously, he's a first-time manager, Skip Schumacher, but I think I think he can elevate them. I, I don't Like, disagree. I have mad respect for Don Manley. I remember whenever he left L.A. and the Braves were looking for a new – well – because at that point Brian Snicker was an interim, I was like, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with Don Manley, and then he went to Miami. But um, you know, they're still like the problem with this team is their offense. Yeah, like it got slightly better. Like they they acquired Luisa Rice, who is a good player. I think Jazz Chisholm is a is a budding star. He needs to take a leap forward. Yeah. Uh, you got Jorge Soler, the DH, Garrett Cooper, who's got some sneaky pop at first. Yeah. Avisel Garcia is playing right. He, mean Gene, the hit machine at yeah. third base. Uh, Joey Wendell at shortstop, Brian uh-huh. De La Cruz in left, and then Jacob Stallings behind the dish. Uh, but their rotation's their strength. I mean, oh, yeah. you have the reigning Cy Young award winner, Sandy, Sandy uh, Alcantara. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesus, Jesus Lazardo. Edward Cabrera. Trevor Rogers. even though I need to see more from him. Because I do as well. I think he could be better than a four, but he just hasn't put it all together. And then Johnny Cueto's your five. Here's the thing. I You have this marked in the bullpen in parentheses. I, I honestly think he ends up being the fifth starter. Oh, yeah. Instead of Cueto. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's go ahead and hit that bullpen, though. AJ it, Puck. Yep. I, I like him. Phenomenal. Uh, Tanner Scott, I I need to see it at the big league level, but mm-hmm. still there. Dylan Florio, Braxton Garrett, Stephen O'Kurt, and then Matt, Bur- uh, Matt Barnes, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Sixto Sanchez. Yes. Sixto Sanchez is the was the Phillies' top prospect, and then they traded him for JT. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's the deal. Sixto will be the fifth starter this year. Oh, I don't absolutely. know why they have him in the pen. Well, he's no, he's going to start the year in the minor leagues. Okay, all right. So you just had him there. Yeah, yeah I, I just think, yeah. I think he turns out to be. I mean, the man's got stuff upon stuff upon stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I I hated to see him go, but when you got to give up a lot to get the best catcher in baseball. Yeah. So I mean, it made sense. But Sixto is 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 a beast. Yeah. And he's going to be the fifth starter at the end of this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the strength of this team is pitching. It has been that for the last five years. Uh, they don't. They they need to score runs. And when you look at this lineup, it's like I think Gene Segura helps their consistency. I think Luis Arise is really good. Um, but it's like, can you count on Soler, Cooper, and Garcia in the middle of the lineup to drive the ball? Yeah. Drive runs in. Like I I don't know. I don't I don't know how many steaks these guys are be eating yeah. this year. And and those are the guys you need to eat a lot of yeah. steaks. And I, I think don't, I don't I think, know what happens. I think they're solid defensively, but I think one thing that I'm interested to see is Jazz Chisholm was a second baseman. Now they're moving him to center field once they got a rise. Um, I think I think Gene Segura is going to help, like, you know, give them consistency in that right. lineup. Right. Um, well, that's at least that's what they're banking on. Um, but like Jacob Stallings, he's defense first, right? Like that's yeah. that's I don't want to say he has no offense, but that's basically what he is. So, I mean, they have some upside with some young guys like a Brian De La Cruz, but they're going to win games based off their pitching staff. Like Sandy Alcantara, you can almost bank it, bank eight innings from him every time he goes out there. 
Um, but I think the key to this team, if if they really elevate, um, is Sixto Sanchez. Like I think if they can get him in the line in the rotation once every fifth day, that is the key to this team having any success. Right, and 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 that's the thing. Like the Marlins. Their ballpark is massive, so they're going to play 81 games in a ballpark that is not conducive for homers. But they did bring the fences in in left field. Slightly. Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm. Look, it's still a pitcher's ballpark, but like it, you know, it, it helps. But like, yeah, I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? So, like, they're they're all about can we can we drive the ball to the gaps? Can we do things like that? Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where you're at with it. Um. I, I like this Marlins team and what their future can become, but I think they need more offense. Uh, I'm going to take the under for wins. I think they're a 73-72-73 win team mm-hmm. uh, with 90 losses on the record somewhere around in there. So I'm going to take the under considering it's 75.5. Where you got them? I'm going to take the over slightly. Whoa. Like, I think, like, 76, 77. Okay. And, and like, uh, like I said, I could see that. I just think yeah. it's it's more likely that they go under than they go over. I also think this team is a seller at the deadline as well, which hurts them as well. No doubt. Let's go ahead to the third team. Let's talk about the New York Mets. <laughs> this is where it gets funny because all three of these teams that are yeah, left. You can make the case. Have a chance to win this division. And, like, yep. arguably – any of them can. And this team that we're talking about right now had a oh, they, really good chance. <laughs> they definitely had they were in the driver's seat last year to win the division. And and they and they that, made moves this offseason to be better. And and what is it that we say every year? The Mets are that, gonna met, man. Like you can count on three things in life. Death, Death taxes, taxes, and, and the, the Mets, Mets met. And, and I so, love how that's become a thing, by the way. Yeah. Like it's 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 not us that I don't think we did it. I mean, hey, we hey, could have done it. We need to put it on a shirt. We do. <laughs> Three things you can count on: death, death taxes, taxes, and the, the Mets, Mets met. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, like I hear it all the time until, about people that are talking about <laughs> until it. they prove us wrong, we're right. gonna keep saying it. Right. I mean, they had they had a couple of years where they were good. Heck, they made the World Series, but I mean, look, they. They were up what fifteen games over the Braves last year. At some point, yeah, and the Braves got stupid hot. Late. Well, they did, but at the same time, and it, no, I will say in defense of the Mets, it's not that the Mets necessarily meted. I mean, they did a little bit. They did a little bit, but, but they didn't like fall off a cliff. Yeah, like, I mean, no, they the, still no, won the Bra- games. The, the Braves took it. Yeah, like they took it. Right. But uh, let's go ahead and talk the lineup. Why yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, center fielder Brandon Nimmo, left field Starling Marte, center field or sorry, shortstop uh, Francisco Lindor. <laughs> Francisco. Uh, then you got your first baseman Pete Alonso. Polar Bear Pete. Uh, second base Jeff McNeil. Both of those guys did nothing in the World Baseball Classic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, right fielder, you got Mark Canna, D.H. Dan Vogelbach. Yeah. Uh, third base, you got Eduardo Escobar. I love mm-hmm. saying that name, by the way. Yeah. And then uh, Omar Navarez behind the dish. Your rotation is arguably a strength with your top two, but yeah. then it kind of falls off in, in comparison to previous years. As you have Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander as your one-two. David Peterson, uh, Kadi Sanga. Is yeah. that say they say Co- it? I think it's Kodai. Kodai. Sen- Co- Kodai. Yeah, Kodai Senga. 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 And then you have Carlos Carrasco rounding yeah. out your rotation. Your bullpen got a big hurt mm-hmm. losing losing Diaz in the World Baseball Classic. That that's a big reason why you and I have them third. Right. Because Edwin Diaz was arguably the best closer in the game last year. Correct. 
and he got paid. Yeah. And then he is out for the year. Yeah. So yeah. now instead of David Robertson being a setup guy, he's a closer. Now he's a closer. You have Adam Adovino, Brooks Riley, Drew Smith, and John Curtis is behind him. Yeah. Like here's the thing. Like that doesn't it, like it's not bad. No. But it's but not it, great. Like you now have to worry about holding leads. Mm-hmm. But I will say, one of the best managers I've ever seen manage a bullpen is Buck Showalter. Right, I'll give you that. So I think he knows how to put these guys in the best position to succeed. Obviously, losing Edwin Diaz is a problem. Uh-huh. But David Robertson, he'd been there. Adam yeah. Adovino, he's got great stuff. Brooks Raley, it's you know he's he's all right. Yeah, like, I don't have a problem with him. So. But like this lineup, it it can it can do some things. I mean, Brandon Nimmo or how Mad Dog Russo says it, Brandon Nemo, uh, he got paid this off season, and so we'll see if if his production slides or if it improves. Starling Marte, his injury last year was a big reason why they fell off um, and, and lost the division. Lindor, I think he's I think he's poised for a big year. Jeff McNeil won the batting title. We know what Polar Pete does. He hits taters. Um, Eduardo Escobar, that's a sneaky good eight-hole hitter. Right. And then they, they bring in Omar Navarez, and he's your nine-hole hitter. That guy's got a little, a little pop in him, and he's good at handling a pitching staff, as he did in Milwaukee. So I, I like their lineup, but like like you were saying, like their rotation's like, yeah, it's Scherzer, Verlander, that's great. And then like I think David Peterson has upside, but I need to see it. And we yeah. don't we don't know what Senga is, you know. Senga. And then Carlos Carrasco, like we we know how good he is when he's healthy, right? Um, and that's the key. Yeah, and and like I said, I I not I'm not not believing in the Mets, but like you got to give me some track record before I believe in you fully. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. All right, let's go ahead to the next team on the oh, list. Wait, wait. Oh, sorry. Over under ninety three. Oh, half. that's right. I'm taking the under. All right. I um. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the under. But like they're a 91 team. Yeah, the, it'd be over if you still had Ed Diaz. Oh yeah, it'd be an over for me. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, we go to the Philadelphia Phillies next. Their over under is 88 and a half. Let's go ahead give and me top the, the lineup. <laughs> yeah. Give me the over. Please give me the over. Just just kicking that we'll, out. We'll there. just we'll just throw that out there. Yeah. All right, uh, you have Trey Turner at shortstop. Massive signing this offseason. Oh yeah. Uh, Kyle Schwaber. Schwalbe. In the two-hole with yep. JT Romuto batting third. Derek Hall is now batting fourth. This is the one piece, I will say, losing Reese Hoskins oh, yeah. hurts tough. bad. Yes, but it does. Derek Hall, like, I mean, he knows how to put the ball over the fence. It's just against lefties. How big is he? But you face more righties than you do lefties. So I think there might be a platoon play there. We don't know what the Phillies' full action is, but... I digress. And Derek Hall's your starter. And I will say this. just piece. Okay, if you want to platoon at first with Derek Hall, there's a guy that just got released or or optioned or however you want to say it, phrase it, Luke Voigt. Yeah. I'm like, when I saw that, that San Diego let him go, I go, you know what? If you're Philly, because I, I know you mentioned Miguel Sano. Yeah. I think Luke Voigt is a guy. Yeah, I mean. I think he fits Philly. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I mean that that could be a play. I, I don't yeah. mind that. At I mean, all. look, do I want to see that happen? Just me personally, no, because no. I'm a Braves fan. Right. But if if I'm being bipartisan here, right, I think Luke Boyd is is the play. I don't mind it. I actually don't mind that at all. But yeah, I mean, then do you let 
Guthrie go. You have too many infielders, not enough out. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll <figure it> out. <laughs> whatever. Uh, so then you have Nick Castellanos. He's in, key. In He's right. Key. If he can come back to his form from two years ago, he will make up for the Hoskins loss, and like, that'll be like huge. that's the reason why I I'm giving Philly the over, right? Because of him, yeah. Because he's better than what he was last year. Yep. I don't know how much. Like I don't know if he's gonna be like, you know, 2021 him himself. Yeah, like, but like, do I think he can hit hit more taters? Yeah, I do. Do if he if he focuses on up the middle the other way, mm-hmm. he's got the power to go Apotaco at Citizens Bank. And uh, I just I think he's the key to this lineup. I think he's the key to the, their massive success. Yeah, I mean, last year he hit two sixty three. The year before he hit over three hundred. He's a two eighty hitter. Yeah, I mean, life lifetime is two seventy six, and that's including his two sixty three last year. Yeah, but he did nothing like huge with the bat. He went from thirty four taters down to thirteen in a hitter friendly ballpark. All right, meet me in the middle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Give me, give me 25. Yeah. That's what I need out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have Alec Bohm at third. He is strengthened up this offseason no to doubt. tap into that power. Right now you have Kevin Cave in the starting lineup playing left. Uh, you know, a veteran power bat from the left side. Bryson Stott at second base. And then Brandon Marsh in center. Rotation of uh, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Tyon Walker, Bailey Falter, Max Strom as of right now, mm-hmm. as Ranger Suarez is on the shelf, put Ranger back in and then Strom to the bullpen after Suarez is back and healthy. Um, there was talk that Andrew Painter might compete mm-hmm. for a starting spot yeah. uh, with the UCL issue. I think they're going to shut him down for a little bit. He might come back late. Yeah. Maybe like an August call up as like another piece, mm-hmm. uh, but for now it's Bailey Falter's spot to lose. Uh, the bullpen of Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, Gregory Soto. He's in your setup and he saved like he had thirty yeah saves last year. That's a big addition. Kind of crazy. Craig Kimbrell and then Connor Brogdon again when uh, Max Strom goes back to the bullpen. Connor goes to more of a mop up role. So is, is Kimbrell not going to be the closer? I don't think so. Like I'm not saying like oh he he just automatically deserves it because he had a bad year last year and it's been kind of rough the last two three years but like when C- Craig Kimbrell's at his best he's one of the best closers in the game. Well, and I think I honestly think can that, he accept a, like a middle relief role? Well, I think Tomper. I think, I mean honestly he's just gonna play the matchups. Okay. And so I, I think Tom will let him know hey like if if these three guys I I expect you to get these three guys out. Mm-hmm. It, it, like it could be the sixth. It could be the eighth, it could be the ninth, it could be the seventh. But when these three guys come up, I need you to get these three outs. Yeah. And and if that if that's the way they go about it, then it's a different scenario for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I think they'll know what what they want out of their bullpen. And I I think what makes Craig Kimbrell great in the closer role is that he knew when he was coming out. Yeah, I think that's key. Because I, I look at Sir Anthony, I look at Alvarado and Soto. Yes, they have closed games, and they've had success. But, like you're saying, okay, this is the meat of the lineup. I need you, whoever that may be of those three, I need you to get these three guys out. And then you give Kimbrell the ninth, where maybe it's like seven, eight, nine. Right. Game over. Game yeah. over, because he knows, like, he knows that role. He fits it. You know, play the music, and, and you know, you know, give, give me give the, the Batman arms. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's, Philly, Philly won't mock him this year. It'll yeah. be, it'll be in support of. Yeah, they have, they have to embrace it now. Right. So I, I, I hear you. I, I just think it'll be, 
matchup, matchup dependent yeah. more than it will be that's smart. you have the knife. That's smart. And I it, like I don't want if I'm playing fantasy baseball this year, which we are, which we are. Um, I I'm not. I don't really want any of the Phillies relief pitchers outside of Dominguez and Alvarado. Okay. Just because they have the strikeout potential, maybe Soto with the strikeout potential, but I don't think Soto gets any chance for saves this year. No. Where I think Alvarado and Dominguez have that potential upside, but they have the strikeout capability. So, needless to say, <laughs> that to say, yeah. uh, I think the Phillies will be will be better this year. And then I didn't even mention Bryce Harper coming back. They don't even have him on the uh, sixty day IL, which means he could come back at the end of May. Yeah. Or before the end of May, like the twenties of May. Uh, otherwise, you throw him on the 60-day IL and get another guy off your 40. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's the move to get Luke Voigt if they want to yeah, do that. possible. So, I mean, maybe, but I, I'm going to pump the brakes for now <laughs> yeah. and let that happen. But yeah. uh, I expect Harper at least before the All-Star break. Yeah, he so, should, he should and, and if the Phillies are hanging around, wait for Harper injected into that lineup to really kick things going. Yeah, I mean, I, ju- it could be crazy. Just like picturing like Turner, uh, Schwarber, Harper. Yeah, Rio Muto. Mm-hmm. That, that's nasty. It just lengthens the lineup. Honestly, and I, Hall hits five. Cassianos yeah. hits six. Boom seven. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Uh huh. Just lengthens the lineup that much more. No now, doubt. don't get me wrong. Kevin Cave has been mashing in spring, but again, it's spring. It's so spring. Yeah. I'm not gonna sit there and throw that out. <laughs> yeah. So we're both taking the over on the Phillies at 88 and yes, a half. Sir. Let's go ahead and talk about your Bravos. I'm gonna let you take the wheel. All right. Let's look over the lineup first. Leading off, of course, is Ronald Acuna Jr. And then you have Matt Olson hitting second. He's had a big spring. He's had like eight homers in the spring. I know it's spring, but still, that's pretty darn good. Then you have Austin Riley hitting third. It's so funny. Like, just think about uh, Austin Riley. It's like, okay, our third baseman is like our former third baseman who you can just puzzle him in in the three spot every night. Him and Chipper Jones, it's kind of like, it's kind of funny. And then you have Marcelo Zuna, who, again, I know it's spring, but he's actually had a good spring. He's going to be the DH uh, if he can keep his spot. Uh, Michael Harrison center, your reigning rookie of the year. Ozzy LB six. That is crazy that he's your six hole hitter because he's good enough to be your number three hole hitter. And then our seven, it's either Sean Murphy, Travis Arnaud, whoever's catching that day. They're both solid offensive players. Eddie Rosario, he's had a great spring, and I think a big part of that is because he played for Team Puerto Rico in the WBC. He had a good WBC, and it translated into spring, and just getting those early at-bats I think is key for him. Oh, and he can see because last year he had eye surgery because he was having trouble seeing, so you know he should be ready to go. And then at shortstop is Orlando Arcia. That is crazy considering you know everyone wants to talk about Von Grissom replacing Dansby Swanson, but Von Grissom and Braden Shoemake are both at AAA to start the year. So Orlando Arcia, the veteran shortstop, is going to get the, the opening day start. Uh, this is To me, this is his last opportunity to be a starter. I remember when this guy was a top prospect in the game for Milwaukee, and he thought it was a can't-miss guy at short, and it never materialized. But th- I think this is his last opportunity to be like, okay, you want to be a starter, go show it. For Atlanta, who, you know, they have high expectations. Let's move to the rotation. Max Fried is your opening day starter. Not a shocker there. Spencer Strider, runner-up to Rookie of the Year. He, I mean, you can make the case he's their best starter um, as your number two. Kyle Wright will be the number three. He's on the IL to start the year, but he'll be back soon. Uh, Charlie Morton's your four. You know know what you're going to get from 
uh, ground ball chuckles. And then at number five, it's going to be Jared Schuster, who's a rookie, and Dylan Dodd will be in the rotation while Kyle Wright is on the IL. Both of them left-handed, both of them young left-handed pitchers. I know Jared Schuster is a former first-round pick out of Wake Forest. And then you look at the bullpen. Iglesias is going to start the year not on the IL, but you still have A.J. Minter, Kirby Yates, Colin McHugh, Joe Jimenez, who they acquired from Detroit, and then uh, Dylan Lee, the lefty, who was really good for the Atlanta last year. Yeah, I mean, and again, th- this this team is stacked. It yeah. knows, and they know how to win, clearly. Yeah, yeah. So I, lo- I love the coaching staff. You, you have to worry about Atlanta. They're a great squad. They know how to get it done. Here's... Here's my thing: the the over under at ninety five and a half. That's ah, tough. It scares me because I think that is the number. Like ninety five is the number. Mm-hmm. But one win either side. Like there's times when I go, okay, like what's more probable? Ninety like in this scenario, right? Yeah. What's more probable? Ninety four, ninety five, or ninety six, ninety seven? Both of them are the same. In my head. Yeah. So it's really hard to pick the over-under here. I'm going to take the under. Barely. Like, like they're a 95-win team in my head. Yeah. And it is, it is so hard to take it. Like, I'm not betting this one. Oh, no. Like, no. If, if you sat there and said, <laughs> who's the one team's over-under you're not betting? Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. It's the one team I'm not betting. Yeah. But at the same time, like you're you're putting a proverbial water gun to my head, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take yeah. the under. I uh, I want to take the over. I think they can win a hundred, but it's hard to predict that because of the balance schedule and you're not playing Washington nineteen times. Right. I'm gonna take the under barely. I I think like you said, that's the number. I think ninety five is the number. Um I hope I'm wrong, right? Uh, but I think if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna make a bet on this, go the take the under. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 how I feel. All right. Well, then that leads to our predictions. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows our <laughs> predictions, but Parker, go ahead and, and give me yours. I know this is a surprise to anyone that's ever listened to this podcast. Shocker! But I'm gonna take the brace. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. <laughs> I really don't. Um, Six in a row, let's go. So here's the thing. I'm taking my Phillies with an asterisk. (laughs) If you had asked me before March 23rd Mm -hmm. who I had, I would have said the Phillies and I wouldn't have stopped. With the loss of Reese Hoskins. Oh, that's huge. It hurts. And and Parker, we talked about this off air, Mm -hmm. that going into the season – I gave the Braves a 35% chance to win the division. Yeah, we did talk. I gave the Phillies a 30% chance to win the division. Or, sorry, a 35% chance to win the division. Uh And then I gave the Mets a 30%. So, 35, 35, and then 30. Losing Diaz, I gave a little bit more to the Braves Mm -hmm. uh, than I gave to the Phillies. And the only reason why I say that is, like, Harper, you know, Withstanding, I had, you know, yeah. whatever. So I, it went to like a 45 Braves, 40 Phillies, 15% Mets. Mm-hmm. With the loss of Hoskins, it's gone to a 55% Braves to like a 
percent Phillies, mm-hmm. and then twenty percent Mets. I think I think my math's right. You no, said, sorry, ten percent. I was gonna say you said fifty-five, fifty-five, thirty-five, okay. and ten. And so let me get this straight: Marlins and Met, and Marlins and Nationals don't get a percent. Not, not even, not even, <laughs> not even, not a even chance. Th- okay, snowball's chance in I you know you. where. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, it's not. Like, it, I'm sorry. <laughs> don't be sorry. Like, I, I'm pretty sure right now the season hasn't started yet, and CBS Sports has them as a zero. <laughs> Just being honest. That's fair. That so, I mean, it's funny, but it's fair. Right. So, like, you got to, you know. Yeah. Got to have what it is. But speaking of chances, mm-hmm. I, I think we just we just wrapped up our division, and we uh-huh. want to wrap up this new thing. Now, we want to be more interactive with you all out there on the airwaves. Yes. If you've ever heard of an eliminator bracket, it's usually done in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, where you pick a team. If they win, you move on. If they lose, you don't. But you can't pick that team ever again. Yeah. Um, we're going to do something very similar, but it's with baseball, obviously, because we're baseball guys. <laughs> yes, we are. So we're going to throw this out there. It's an eliminator bracket, except we're not going to kick you out. We're just going to do it on a record base. Mm-hmm. Um, so same stakes as football with me and Parker, whoever wins, whoever loses. There are 27 weekends in the major league season. There are 30 major league teams. <laughs> yeah. So you can avoid picking three. We already know what one of them is. Yeah, Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, because I, I've already laid out a couple of Yeah, we did. We did. Um, but it's the weekend set. So it is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You have the team that you pick has to win two of the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, this brings in a lot of things. Brings in some, um, you know, you know, like pitching matchups. Who starts? Who sits? Who home does away. this? Whatever. Home away. Uh, and once you pick that team, you can't pick them again. Um, you got twenty-seven weeks. So you know, choose wisely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we we've we're gonna post on Twitter who our picks are for the first weekend. Now some stipulations out there, just you know, four games set Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. O- only counting Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Only counting Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they're all triples. Uh, doesn't matter. You gotta win two out of three of those days. So if you have the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday set, they win Thursday, Friday, lose Saturday, Sunday, you're out. Yeah, you're out. It, it, it's not two and two. No, no, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now, let's say they lose Friday, Saturday, win. Uh, sorry, they lose Thursday, Friday, win Saturday, Sunday. You, you win. win. Yep. Because they won two of three of the games that count for us Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how it works. Um, if you're in, what you have to do is tweet at us before Friday at noon mm-hmm. who you got. We will put out. Uh, early in the week, who you got this weekend, and we'll also post Parker and I's records. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be all out there for everybody to see. We'll discuss it obviously live on the podcast Thursdays, but not everybody listens live on Thursday night or or you know just after we release it on right. Thursday. So right. we will post on Twitter at the Sports GPS. Check us out there. Who you got? What our records are? Things of that nature. 
Um, and we'll, we'll have a small discussion on Thursday saying who we picked so you'll and know why. and why we picked them. So if you do listen to it upbeat, you can, you can follow along with us live. And so just like we did with football picks, loser gets a pie in the face. Gets a pie in the face. Now, we're, we're still – we still got – Pies to hand out we from, from last year. Mm-hmm. I I still owe you a pie, and you owe me a pie. We're gonna we're, we're gonna figure out a day to do that, yep. and we will post that on the socials so you can see me me and CJ get a pie in the face. We get pies in the face, and so it'll be fun. Uh, please let us know if you're in. Like I said, I'll and we'll even share who's in, who's yeah. in, who's out. Yeah. It'll be fun. So definitely check that out. We will again. This is going out on the 28th we have to put now so this weekend set we're counting opening day as one of them and then on through so if you don't have a game friday so like let's take the phillies for example if i were to choose the phillies this weekend it would be the thursday Thursday, game on texas saturday sunday i know there are teams with four game sets this weekend to start out those would be friday saturday sunday Mm -hmm. so that's how we get the 27 Looking forward to it. Parker, again, hit him with the socials tags. Hit us at the Sports GPS on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Absolutely. Uh, you know, check us out. Now, we do have a bonus episode coming out Thursday. My boy T-Phrase will be in. Parker may or may not be here, but I will be here Thursday night doing a full NFL draft special with my boy T-Phrase. Check it out. Looking so forward to that. But until next time, for all of us here at the Sports GPS, Parker White, CJ Holly, thanks for stopping by. Oh, thank you.